Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Criminally Disturbed. I am Paul. And I'm Jamie. And we have another case for you that we're going to talk about today. There's something special about this case, and there's a reason why I chose this case, because there's a lot of background to it. There's a lot of people that are in this that we know personally. Hmm. There's some history there with the area that it is in. And uh, but before I get into that, I just wanted to remind everybody of our email address, which is cdisturbedpodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook page, which is Criminally Disturbed, and our Instagram, which is Criminally Disturbed Podcast. Uh, one thing I'd like to remind everybody to do is to give us a review. You can give reviews on Spotify. Yeah. Which is one of the platforms that you can listen to us from. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, there's, there's several out there mm-hmm. um, that'll uh, get you to where you can listen to us. Yeah, so, and a rating. And, and a rate rating. us. Rate us, review us. We'd like to hear from you guys, definitely. So, without further ado, let's get into a tale of two Jimmies. Two Jimmies? Now, do you want to tell our listeners where we met? We met at work in Minden, Louisiana. In Minden, Louisiana. Now, Minden also has some communities around it, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Can you name some of those communities for our listeners? Um, well, there is Sibley, mm-hmm. which is where my mama lives. Uh-huh. There is Doline. There's Dixie Inn, yep. um, which used to be because... Minden is still somewhat of a dry town, somewhat. Yeah, right. Um, so on the weekends, like the younger people would find older people to go to Dixie Inn for them and buy their alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, there's also Homer, which is uh-huh. where Lake Claiborne is located. And Beautiful is, lake. Yes, gorgeous yep. up there. We have a friend that lives on the lake. We do. Yep. Doberly. Doberly, yeah. Okay. Have I named one, or you want me to name one in particular? Well, you already have. Oh, okay. But there's also smaller towns, smaller communities like Spring Hill, Sarepta, Cullen, mm-hmm. Cotton Valley. There's a lot of small communities yeah. that are that kind of surround Minden. Minden being the parish seat of Webster Parish. Right. Okay. So, Minden, Louisiana is special to you and I because that's where we met but it's also something else that's special about Minden they raise a shit ton of money every year for St. Jude correct that's right but I was going to also say it's (laughs) where you and I got married yes we did get married at um one of your projects after it was completed (laughs) of course yes I did a project at a church and uh, I asked the church if uh, you and I could get married there, and they allowed it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about just some of those communities. Why don't we? Yay. So the tale of two Jimmies. We're going to talk about two Jimmies, Jimmy Wingo and Jimmy Glass. So this all kind of takes place around the 1982 Christmas Eve. Jimmy Wingo and Jimmy Glass were both being held in the jail 
in Webster Parish, which is in downtown Minden. And you know the building. I mean, it's the... So they were held at the courthouse. Yeah, you know that they're, mm-hmm. that the, the jail for right. Webster Parish is at the top floor of mm-hmm. the Webster Parish Courthouse, downtown Minden. You can actually see, if you, if you drive down through the downtown streets of Minden, you can look up and see the top floor of the building has a chain link fence around the top and that's where the inmates actually come outside for their yeah they get to play basketball they get to play basketball yeah and then they just that's their outside time yeah well you know how they house or how they bring inmates in Mm -hmm. to that is they have a basement yeah Yeah. the basement they have a an area where you can drive down underneath and then that's how they bring inmates in right so which i've been there before but not because i was arrested i've been there before not in the jail part though oh okay yeah i've been to the upper floors because that's where like the clerk of court is and the tax assessor yeah you know and all that i've been there yeah so jimmy wingo is the older of the two he was uh 35 around this time Mm -hmm. and jimmy glass was the younger he was 20 at this time now jimmy glass was basically new to the jail he had just been sentenced for you know i think something like um uh, burglary okay at the time jimmy wingo was already being held on a prison term on 10-year prison term mm-hmm. for armed robbery Ooh, okay. so he, both of them were being held by webster parish for these crimes on christmas eve of 1982 so at the time there are really two parish deputies that are on duty in the in the jail Mm -hmm. okay one of them was off kind of doing something else maybe sitting at the desk for dispatch i'm not sure but one of them was actually in the jail area Mm -hmm. and so both jimmy wingo and jimmy glass being housed together kept kind of saying hey can we make a phone call to our family for Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, and this happened around eight o'clock. No, yeah, around eight o'clock or so that night. They're just, can I make a phone call? I want to call my family. It's Christmas, you know, and all stuff like this. Well, after several, several, several attempts on this, the jailer let them out to make a phone call. Well, I mean, it's Christmas. Yeah, he's absolutely. In the, he's in the Christmas spirit, right? Well, he lets them out. They go to make their phone calls. And apparently there's a disturbance in one of the other cells. And the jailer takes off running down there. These two just said, Fuck it. Fuck it. We're gone. So they go to the elevator. And they go down the elevator all the way to the basement. Uh, It opens up. They get out the door. And they take off in the night. Which, when you leave the basement, you're going down, like, the main streets of Minden. Correct. There's Broadway on one side, and Main Street is actually on the other side. That's correct. So, these two get off of the main streets, and they get into the woods, and they start to head a little bit west. Okay. And so, what is west of there is a very small village uh, community of Dixie Inn. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Were they going to get the alcohol? So, for some time, they do follow some woods. uh, They follow some railroad tracks. And they come out on a a road. 
what they find is a business and nearby that business is a home they look at the home and they're like we got to we got to find a a vehicle we got to find some money we got to find you know supplies or whatever well it doesn't look like there's any one home it's dark you know and stuff it just wasn't didn't look like there was anybody home and really there wasn't anybody home so they go up and they they go to try to break into the house they try to find an open window or something like that and about that time there's headlights from a car that's pulling in the driveway and so they duck and they you know run and hide and stuff well the home that they're trying to break into and the people that are showing up in the driveway this is their home uh, their names are Erlene Brown and Newton Brown and that business oh. is Newt Brown Contractors oh that we know very well yes it's a very big business in the Minden area yeah so they're a very big contracting company they do a lot of uh, a lot of dirt work and things like that and in the construction industry they're they're a very big name yeah so mr and mrs brown actually uh, come in they they had been with some family for christmas and things like this and so they actually go in well they uh, the two jimmies actually seek refuge in a storeroom Mm -hmm. that's located on the property and they decide that they're going to kind of wait out the Browns and let them get to sleep. And their plan was is to break into the house, surprise the Browns, and just tie them up and rob them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, well, they uh, are in the storeroom waiting it out, and they find a refrigerator full of beer. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's full of beer. Uh, and actually some champagne, too. But um, they sit down, and they just... Start drinking. Because alcohol and crime do not mix. Right. So they start drinking, and um, they kind of taking this time to plan it out and everything. Now, I want to point out that Jimmy Wingo, the elder of the two Jimmys, is a former police officer for Oil City, Louisiana. Then what was he doing in Webster Parish? I don't know how he got to that point. Right. I, I don't. I don't know that. But Jimmy Glass, the younger of the two, was actually a former Boy Scout. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of crazy. So they both Bo- knew both better yeah. than what they're doing. Yeah. They knew better. Just both facts. of them have been on the other, the complete other side of the law mm-hmm. at one point in time. And so it's like, guys, what are you doing? So anyway, they get nice and liquored up. And... Uh, there's a rock garden that is right outside, I guess, the back door of the house, and it has some petrified wood in it, which with the, when you do a lot of earthwork and mm-hmm. stuff, you come across some things. You come across petrified wood, you come across arrowheads, just all kinds of, sometimes bodies. You know, it just, it just happens in, in the earthwork business. Well, one of them took one of those pieces of petrified wood and threw it through the plate glass door of the house this is not a very big house either you know yes this these people owned a contracting company but they didn't live this lavish lifestyle they were very down to earth these were very working class people even though they owned this business it doesn't mean that they had to live this you know this lifestyle that like rich people do 
it was said that they were rich with friends. They were rich with family and things. They didn't have to show their wealth in, in any other way. Now, Mrs. Brown did have a brand new Lincoln Continental, but that was probably bought for her by her husband just as, you know, hey, my wife is going to have nice things because I've done this. You know what I'm saying? So, but their house wasn't very big. It was pretty modest, but they threw this through this plate glass window or door and they rushed into the house and went straight to the family dog, which was a, uh, I believe it was a Dalmatian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Started barking his head off. Well, they, one of them hit the dog and knocked it out. And I've never heard of that before, knocking out a dog. I haven't either, but obviously it can be done. Yeah, it didn't kill the dog, knocked it out. Mm -hmm. So they make their way to the bedroom where Mrs. Brown is actually standing up Mm -hmm. beside the bed. Like she's fixing to contact police. They go in and they said, no, no, no. And they they done cut the phone lines, oh, so okay. you know this that's not happening. Mister Brown is still in bed, and he's kind of up, sitting up, kind of looking around. Is like, what's going on and stuff. Well, they ended up tying the two up. They bound them, they gag them, and they make them lay on the bed face down, while these two go around the house and start collecting things. They get clothes, and they get more alcohol. Uh, they get just all kinds of things that uh, that they think that they're going to need. They also find about $1,800 in cash. Mm-hmm. So one of them comes across some ammunition. Uh, there's a shotgun and stuff. So they uh, they find the shotgun. They find also some ammunition for a thirty-eight revolver. And so they ask Mr. Brown... Where's the gun? Where's the thirty-eight? And uh, he tells them that it's in the top of the closet. Well, one of them goes to the top of the closet, and uh, I believe this is glass at the time. He goes to the closet, and he starts kind of feeling on the top shelf of the closet, and he cuts himself on a saw blade that's in the top of the closet and, and uh, bleeds. But he does find the gun, and so he loads the gun, and so they're still kind of searching around for things, and... Glass actually calls out Wingo's name. Well, that was dumb. Yeah. But Wingo's holding the shotgun. Now, according to Glass, Wingo points the shotgun at his head. He says, since you said my name, you're going to have to kill them. Now, this is according to Glass. Right. So it could be bullshit or it could be true. Could be. Right. But what is true and what can be proven is that Glass got on the bed between them, kneeled down, and put the gun to the back of Newt Brown's head, and he pulled the trigger and shot. Mm. Mrs. Brown started screaming, and he turns and puts the gun to her head and shoots and kills her as well. So That's horrible. It is. Now, these two, again, they gathered a bunch of things from the house, and they loaded up into Mrs. Brown's 1981 uh, Lincoln Continental, which, by the way, is a beautiful car. It's big. It's huge. I was just going to say, you probably had to have your pilot's license yeah, it's a, well, to at drive least, it. At least a captain's license because yeah. it's a boat. Yeah. Well, they take off, 
And they put this boat theory to the test because they, as they're approaching the small town of Vivian, Louisiana. Oh, they got far. They did. They actually, they ran into some high waters and it sank the car. And so they had to abandon the car. Did they get any of the shit they stole they out did. of the car? They did. They brought some of the things that they found out of the car and they get to Wingo's sister's house in Vivian. I'm sure she was thrilled to see him. And it does say what her name is, but I'm not going to I'm not going to say her name. They are there. They actually do meet up with Wingo's girlfriend. Her name is Gwen Hill and she's with them. Oh god. Yeah. So they ask basically if they can borrow her vehicle, which is a little Datsun truck, a little pickup truck. And she says, well, fuck no. I was fixing to take say, my truck. What the she hell? better not have been like, oh, yeah, take my truck. No. Uh-uh. Now, during this time, it is stated that this is about the time that Glass started trying to make his way on his own uh, to Little Rock. Okay. So he's gone, and it's Wingo and Gwen now that steal his sister's truck. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Steal his, his sister's truck. So did they, like, wait for the sister to go to bed and are like, come on, let's yeah. take this damn truck? They're just like, fuck that. If she's not going to let us take it, we're just going to take it on our own. And so they end up making their way towards East Texas. Hmm. Okay. And uh, they end up getting to a very small town just on the other side of the border of Louisiana called Atlanta, Texas. I was fixing to say, did they go to Atlanta, Texas? They went to Atlanta, <laughs> Texas. That's right. Just on the other side of the border. So they get into uh, a hotel there and they basically are trying to live Are trying to figure you know, out what the fuck they're going to do. Figure out what the fuck they're going to do. Now, another report is that this is the time that Glass left them and went to Little Rock. And so there's two different accounts there. So but, we really don't know when. We just know that at some point he left and went to Little Rock. Yeah, okay. that's right. Because he went to the zoo, the Little Rock Zoo. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Actually, later on, I'll tell you what happened when he got to Little oh, Rock. Oh, God. So, yeah. Um, like I said, they're in Atlanta, Texas. Now, there are people that start kind of seeing them everywhere. By this time, Mr. and Mrs. Brown is found. They found they were found mm. the following morning on Christmas Day that by their family. Horrible. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely crazy. So, um, there is a reward that is offered for the two escapees. They don't. Police do not know anything about the the girlfriend Gwen yet. Mm-hmm. But there is a reward that is offered uh, for the two escapees of ten thousand dollars. This money actually came from donations of the family and friends. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the community of Minden and Dixie Inn are just, you know, donating money. As you said before, this community of Minden, Dixie Inn, all these, you know, Sarepta, Spring Hill, Dubberly, Homer, they all come together when the community is in need. Right. Just like you said with the St. Jude's, every year they are one of the biggest donators to St. Jude Mm -hmm. and that is no more apparent than right here the community came together and raised ten thousand dollars for for a reward 
sightings of all three of these people start coming in like crazy. They said that immediately following the police giving the, the descriptions out, the tips or the sightings were coming in by the hundreds per day. Hundreds of sightings per day. Wow. Now that kind of tapered off, you know, but it kind of kept up. More specifically, Gwen is spotted in Dodge City, Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. So a friend of Jimmy Glass, Rocky Hall, said that they just showed up at his place in Little Rock, Arkansas. So they start wilding all around Arkansas. Okay. Because some of these sightings were actually true. Dodge City, to be exact, was true. Mm -hmm. So Dodge City, Arkansas, someone ran into them, just ran into these three at a Jolly's grocery store in Dodge City. I mean, I mean, I, they got to eat. Yeah, they so got to eat. There wasn't DoorDash back then. By this time, all of the people in Dodge City, Arkansas, are on high alert because it had been made public that the three had been sighted in Dodge City, Arkansas. So I'm assuming that none of these three idiots tried to change their appearance, like dye their hair, cut their hair. Yes. Oh, they did. One of them tried to dye their hair. They actually tried to go to a salon. No, bitch. You don't go to a salon. You do it in your hotel room with no, a box. No. It was one of the guys. Okay. Tried to dye, get their hair dyed at a salon. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. So all the citizens of Dodge City, Arkansas... They keep shotguns, pistols, well, all, hell yeah, they do. all within grabbing distance, just in case. Yep. So. You never know. Erlene Christian, same name as Mrs. Brown, Erlene, was too scared to walk into the grocery store one day. So she would wait on her husband. There's a reason for this. The reason is, is that the night before... Her and her husband were approached by a girl who happened to be traveling with a couple of guys who fit the description of Wingo and Glass. The female knocked on the couple's door at about 5.30 p.m. that day and only identified herself as Margaret Hicks's daughter. Well, Mrs. Christian knew Margaret Hicks, and she knew Margaret Hicks's daughter. She knew what she looked like. The girl asked if she and her boyfriend could fill a bottle of butane. That's a fucking odd request. Right? Really odd request. But you people usually use butane for like a camping stove or, you know, something well, like was, a heater. I was fixing to say, can you go up to a residence? I've never had butane. I've always, every place I've lived has had natural gas. But mm -hmm. I mean... You know, the further you get out in the country, yeah. they, they do still have butane. Yeah. Well, butane oh. is also, like I said, you, you screw a bottle of butane onto like a camping stove mm -hmm. or a camping heater, camping being the ideal word there. Um, Christian's husband actually went to look for some cans, uh, the big bottles of butane that uh, you would screw onto one of those. Oh, so he was just going to give them like He a was just going to give them a bottle of butane. Okay. However, this is when Mrs. Christian looked out the window to see this woman, and she knew right then that that was not that Margaret Hicks's. No, it's not who she says she is. So she started hollering at her husband, you know, they're just going to have to come back tomorrow. 
they're just going to have to come back tomorrow to get it. You can't find it. They're going to have to come back tomorrow. And they didn't come back. That's good. So she, uh, she said, Mrs. Christian then said that the girl went and got back into a truck, which matched the description of the stolen truck Ooh. from Wingo's sister. Mrs. Christian tells police that there was only two individuals in the truck, though, and that was uh, the woman and someone that matched Jimmy Wingo's description, but there was no sign of Jimmy Glass. Well, they probably left his ass somewhere, and he was like, I'll wait for y'all to get back. Right, yeah. Well, this is a Datsun, a small Datsun truck. There's no room in there for three people. So if they all three did travel together, I guess one of them had to ride in the bed of the truck. Or one of them, maybe the girl, Gwen, rode in somebody's lap, I guess. Or on the fucking hood. Or on the hood. Don't matter. (laughs) The duo was also seen in a store in town. Again, no Jimmy Glass. However, at another store, Jolly's Grocery, that sighting that I mentioned earlier, Glass was seen in the store and Wingo was seen waiting outside. Now it's at, at Jolly's Grocery, both of the guys are seen and the girls not seen. So all three of them now have been sighted in Dodge City, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. On January the 5th of 1983, which is just just after the first of the year, that's when Wingo and Gwen had made their way to Atlanta, Texas. Police had tracked them Uh all the way to Atlanta, Texas. They were in a hotel, and police had started closing in, and it pretty much these two were on high alert, Gwen and, and Wingo. A foot chase starts from the hotel. And it gets into the woods uh, of East Texas. They make it a full 10 miles. Wow. Through the, the woods in East Texas. 10 miles. This is January in East Texas. Ooh, so it's going to be cold. It's cold. Yeah. But you ain't got to worry about snakes and stuff. Right. So police are using a bloodhound, oh, a fem- female bloodhound named Camille. And a male German shepherd named Joe. Mm. Now, side note about Joe. Joe was also used to track and locate Danny Goodson. In September of 1981, Goodson was convicted of raping a woman in the Highland area of Shreveport. Wow. Yeah. Now, the dogs, obviously, they ran up into a thicket there. They found Gwen and Jimmy Wingo hiding where they had covered themselves with some brush and pine straw. Like them fucking dogs ain't going to find you. I mean, come on. You know, don't be stupid. They were already stupid. Yeah. The two were taken into into custody. Gwen, she waived the extradition, so she is actually transported to Spring Hill City Jail. In Spring Hill, Louisiana. Uh, She is charged with aiding and abetting a felon and assisting in escape and harboring a fugitive, a known fugitive. All of these are misdemeanors. Really? Yeah, they're misdemeanors. I I did not not know know that. that. She is only facing one year in prison for these misdemeanors. Okay. Wow. Okay. Now, she tells police that they had been camping in the woods and moving daily to avoid arrest 
So that was the reason that they needed the butane. Right. You know, so they probably had the camping heaters and the camping stove and, you know, all those things like that. That's why they needed that butane. So 10 hours later, Jimmy Glass is located. Okay. I told you that he had left them and went to Little Rock. Right. His ass jumps on a bus in Little Rock, Arkansas, and gets bussed all the way to Ventura Beach, California. Whoa. Then makes his way to San Diego, California, and is in the airport. His ass is fixing to go. I wonder where he had intentions of going to. I don't know. I don't know. Because he never does say. Oh, damn. But he's at the airport getting ready. That's where he's caught. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there are officers of uh, Webster Paris, the city of Menden, just all kinds of officers from around the Menden area are all over this case. Mm-hmm. And there is an officer, a deputy, with the Webster Parish Sheriff's Office that is also, you know, one of them is sent to pick up Jimmy Glass mm-hmm. in San Diego. That deputy's name is Buster Flowers. What? Yes. Wow. On the way back, Deputy Flowers asks Jimmy Glass, why'd y'all have to kill him? And Jimmy Glass replied with, Wingo made me kill him. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. So Wingo held Glass's hand on the gun and forced Glass's finger to pull the trigger. Actually, he says that Wingo put a shotgun to his head. Oh. And said, since you said my name and they heard you say my name, you need to kill him. So he's saying that he forced him to ah, kill them. Okay. So. But that's probably his word against Wingo's. It is. This, yeah. Yeah, it is. So Deputy Buster Flowers. So, I've, I mean, I've met and spoke to Mr. Flowers on several occasions because he actually was a contact for Webster Parish when I did a project right. there in Webster Parish. So this this obviously never came up because I did not know, and he wasn't just, you know, oh, yeah, let me yeah. tell you about this right. case. Cause, you know? Yeah, because I've never heard this story. Right. So interesting. Very. Wingo says that they split up after the escape. He says uh, he was trying to hitch a ride. After they split up, mm-hmm. you know, he was actually trying to hitch a ride and get out of town and stuff. And here comes Glass in a Lincoln Continental. Bitch, stop. <laughs> However, it is later discovered from fingerprint evidence that it was Wingo that was actually driving the car. So that was some bullshit. Say, if you had no issue with stealing your sister's truck, then right? you had no issue stealing a car from somebody else. Right. Wingo claims that he had no idea of the killings that they had ever even happened until he was in the motel in Atlanta, Texas. Mm. (laughs) Was it a red light motel? I don't know. (laughs) Wingo is searched and police find a pair of gloves on him. These gloves were Mrs. Brown's. What the fuck did he need her gloves for? He wore the gloves during the robbery. Because the the prints, they were actually prints from the fabric of the gloves that were found on a drawer that had been toppled over mm-hmm. in a, in a dresser. Jeez, I mean, oh my God, they're so, idiots. So police tells Wingo. Remember, he's a former police officer in Old City, right? 
police tell Wingo that they have fingerprints, and Wingo immediately interrupts the police and says, you don't have my fingerprints because I always wear gloves when I commit a crime. And this is probably why he was no longer a police officer because he's a fucking idiot. He's an idiot. Yeah. An idiot. I don't know how many times I've said that in this episode. I mean, how many times is a, a former police officer now being held on suspicion of murder and robbery or burglary is going to say, I always wear gloves when I commit a crime. What the fuck? How many crimes have you committed, cuz? Apparently a lot that they might not have uh, solved yet. Right? What a douchebag. Wingo claims that before they separated for good, Glass gave him a shotgun. And he said that he didn't even know about the murders. Until, like I said, until they he was in that motel and he saw it on the news mm-hmm. that the news story actually named him and Glass as the people that committed these murders. At that moment, Wingo says that he took the shotgun and buried it in the woods, but he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember where. My thing is, well, I was going to say, if you didn't commit the murder, then why were you running? But I forgot the yeah. idiots escaped from jail. They escaped so. from jail. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so okay it's like oh my god what in the hell is going on here so buster flowers who went to san diego to get and to bring glass back on the way back from Mm -hmm. san diego he told glass that wingo told them everything Mm -hmm. that it was all glass that did this oh yeah so (laughs) according to flowers wingo says that they were in the shop you know where the refrigerator full of beer was but Wingo left at that point. That that Wingo says that he left, mm-hmm. and he left Glass there. And Glass was like, "Bullshit! No, <laughs> he didn't." <laughs> Wingo even told Flowers, according to Flowers, that it was Glass's idea to break out of jail altogether. It was then that Glass told Flowers that all of that sh- that was bullshit. He said, "Oh no, no, it was that was all bullshit. That it was Wingo that drove the car." And that was actually found to be true because it was Wingo's prints that was on the steering wheel and the mirror and the seat and the everything. Because you remember, Lincoln Continentals have leather seats. Yeah. And uh, but I will tell you this: I don't know if you've ever sat in an, a 1981 uh, Lincoln Continental. I sat in. A, I've driven a 1982 because my my grandmother had a 1982 Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And you have a Lincoln. Uh, yeah, but it's the SUV. It's the SUV. It's the it's the Navigator. But I can tell you this. The seats in a 1982 Lincoln Continental. Were probably a lot plusher. Oh, they were. And you probably felt like you were just floating. You were sinking in those seats, and they just wrapped around you. And you're right. The, the suspension is like riding on a cloud. They were, uh, they were something else. But anyway. Now, the brother, the brother of Newton Brown, mm-hmm. Newt Brown, his name is Edgar Brown. Once the family found out, Edgar Brown, now knowing that the two had been captured and they were being brought back to the area, Edgar Brown celebrated the arrest at a local cafe. Now, they say cafe. I say burger joint because he was at a place called Hamburger Happiness. I was fixing to say, was it Hamburger Happiness? 
It was that hamburger happiness. Edgar Brown being interviewed is very open with his criticism of the local sheriff's department. Oh. Sheriff McCain. McCain. Is that right? Yeah. I think it's McCain. Um, he is taking the shit. I mean, you know, nobody has anything good to say about the sheriff's department about around this time. Oh. Yeah. But. Even in the interview, Edgar Brown points at a house that is across the street from where they're doing the interview from. This house once kept pet lions. Whoa, what? Yes. And he says that what I say is I would like to take them two boys to that house that kept pet lions and feed them to the lions. Hey, I I can get on board with that. Right. Where Where was that house at? It was across Highway 80. Okay, so like, from like the that. hamburger happiness. Where was the hamburger happiness at? And how? In you know where the uh, door cheat? Um, yeah, but it wasn't always there. Oh, I don't know. Then in 1980s, I, I don't know where it was. Okay, but he said from across from 80, so apparently it was on 80. Yeah. Now that where the Browns live is right there off of the main north and south highway, the highway that goes up to Sarepta and stuff. Okay. They live right off of there. Okay. Yeah, because that's where Newt Brown is. Correct. Okay. Their house was in, right there. Okay, so, so that house might have been up in... The house with the lines must have been up in that area, too. It had to have been. One of the sons of uh, Newton Brown and, and Earlene Brown, uh, Gary Brown, says in a Shreveport newspaper, the Shreveport Journal, that he wants to know the truth, but really doesn't think that he does want to know. He says that this nearly killed his sister. Gary said that there were more than 900 signatures in the funeral's register at the Brown's funeral, Mm -hmm. most of which were Mr. and Mrs. So if there's 900 entries and most of them are Mr. and Mrs., there were almost double that that were actually attended the funeral. (gasps) Okay, I see. Because yeah. I was looking at it and I almost was like, 2, no, there's only like 400 and something. Damn, never mind. Almost 2,000 people were at the and Browns funeral. And that's a funeral. lot because, yeah. you know, back then, yeah, there was there was people in the community, but it wasn't as that populated. Actually, that number mm-hmm. is actually more than the population of Dixie Inn. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, Dixie Inn's always been small. Well, yeah. But I mean, still. Yeah. I mean, geez, 2,000, almost 2,000 people. These people were well loved in the community. And well well known known in the community. So, the uh, probably very, very good friends with the people that own the company that you work for. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. So, the sheriff stated that this is a tragedy that two men escaped, but he is in charge and that he would take the blame for it now you know they say that you know it's it was human error i mean it really was it was it was human error at this point the west Parish sheriff's department is quote the butt of all of the jokes but with no laughter friend of mr edgar brown and the brown family travis gray said during the uh the edgar brown interview Hell, if they had stayed in Webster Parish, the police would have never caught them. Oh. Now, that's bad. That's bad. That's real bad. 
Mr. Gray then made a gesture towards a telephone pole outside and said they should take them boys to that pole and just hang them. Oh. Yeah. I still vote on the lines. Yeah. I think they, yeah. I, I mean, I think they should be tortured, you know. Yeah. I mean. Suffer. I don't disagree with you. I mean, these were really good people. Yeah. I mean, everybody in the community came out and said these were really good people, and this, they even did not it, deserve this. Right. Even if it wasn't really good people, I mean, nobody deserved this because of these two douchebags that broke out of jail and then drunk their fucking beer. It is funny that you say just that, not funny, haha, but funny that's in a coincidence that you say that because the DA that's going to prosecute this case basically said the same thing. It is a tragedy. Even if the people were not good people, but these were good people. See, I got that 10th sense. <laughs> I guess you do. And I knew you was going to say yeah. that. So <laughs> anyway, so these two are set. They are charged with first degree murder. Oh, as they should be. Two counts each. So obviously they're not going to get a fair trial in Webster Parish, Louisiana or no, in Minden. So they're moved to Lafayette Parish. Wow. Yeah. For they had trial. to get way, way away. They had to get way away because yeah. they were not going. Oh, now, no. Hell no. Now, Glass's first defense attorney, basically court-appointed uh, attorney, mm -hmm. defense attorney, uh, he had to recuse himself because he was personal friends <gasps> with the Browns. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. Now, April 1983, Jimmy Glass goes on trial. So prosecution gives all the evidence to the jury and uh, basically jimmy glass is found guilty by the jury for first degree murder on both counts mm -hmm. he had a five-day trial the sentencing portion of his trial continued the following day and only after seven hours the jury came back and sentenced to death wow yes they sentenced him to death for both murders well, good. Following this, Wingo would go on trial and would also be found guilty of first-degree murder, both counts. Wingo would also be sentenced to death. As he should have been. Yeah, as he should have been. You're right. I got a question. All right. I know in the scheme of things, this really doesn't matter, but did his sister ever get her truck back? Oh, I'm sure she did. Okay. Now, we have both men that are sentenced to death. They would be put to death by Gruesome Gertie. That Who is, is Gruesome Gertie? Gruesome Gertie is the electric chair at Angola. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they got shipped down to Angola? Yes, ma'am. Oh, wow. They went to Angola, and that is the nickname for the electric chair there at Angola, Gruesome Gertie. They should have just stayed in jail in Webster Parish. It, it, I mean, they should, yeah. Compared to Angola, it was oh. probably like they were staying at a oh my god motel. You damn right, a motel. Yeah, that's right. Not a hotel. Not motel. a hotel because it's not that nice. No, but now both men would appeal. Glass would actually try to use the insanity defense, and then once he's convicted, he would appeal, saying that he didn't get a fair trial because he felt that he was uh, guilty by reason of insanity or not guilty by reason of insanity. Well, two psychiatrists evaluated him and said, nah, he's sane. I was fixing to say, yeah. you, you knew to go on the run, 
Yeah. You knew to stay yep. hidden. Yeah. Yeah. They knew yeah. how to evade police for 10 days or so, but still, right. you know. that That's not insanity. Yeah. Uh, both men did appeal and both were rejected. I'm so glad. Yeah. So Jimmy Glass would be executed in Gruesome Gertie on June the 12th of 1987. Wow. They didn't wait. No. Well, that's five years. I know, but, but yeah. compared to today. With the appeals court and everything, which, by the way, something that I forgot to mention, which is very interesting to this case. So someone that is connected to uh, the family, a father-in-law to one of the Brown kids, mm-hmm. is Judge Charles Marvin of the Louisiana Court of Appeals. <laughs> So, obviously, he would recuse himself if this ever went to appeal, which it does go into the appeals court and stuff. Obviously, he would recuse himself and say, hey, I can't I can't rule on this because my son-in-law is one of the victim's kids. So, and that's Gary Brown's, it's Gary Brown's wife, uh, father-in-law that oh. is I wonder on if, the I Court wonder of Appeals. I wonder if Charles Marvin is uh, related to Scholar Marvin, who's the DA for Bozier and Webster Parish. Maybe. 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 Jimmy Wingo would be executed in the same chair as Glass just four days later on June 16th, 1987. Wow. So Jimmy Wingo, who was executed on June 16th, his last words when he was asked, you know, what his last words are? I am an innocent man. You are murdering me this day. I do still love you all in Christ. God bless you all. And I'm going to end this with Jimmy Glass's last words. On June the 12th of 1987, Jimmy Glass is asked, do you have any final words? And he says, yes, I'd rather be fishing. Jimmy Glass, ladies and gentlemen, I'd rather be fishing. Maybe you should have thought about that before you committed your first crime and first ended crime. up in yeah, jail exactly exactly did your did he do any fishing while he was on the run i'm sure he probably no, did i probably didn't have time he had to duck and dive and shit so i don't i don't think he did but that ladies and gentlemen is the tale of two jimmies and the horrific murders of mr and mrs newton brown of dixie inn louisiana that i i can't believe never heard I, of that Never, because I moved to over toward Webster Parish back in 1997 mm-hmm. and had lived in that area up until me and you moved where we are now three years ago. Yeah, but we lived in Minden, Louisiana yeah. for a couple of years, yeah. and I got to know Mr. Gary Brown, who's, by the way, a great man, very down-to-earth, very smart. I mean, and still is in that business. And then also got to know Mr. Buster Flowers, Mm -hmm. you know, through the same kind of business. And it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm sitting here and I'm reading this story. And, I, you know, when I first see it, just the the whole Jimmy Glass thing, and then I see, oh, okay, Newton Brown. Wait, wait, is that the same? Oh, yes, it is. Newt Brown Contractors. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then is he related to, oh, yes, Gary Brown. Oh, my God. You know, and and then all of a sudden, here comes this other name, Buster Flowers. And I was like, oh, my God. It's just crazy. Yeah. You know, that we have connections to these people, this place, and everything. 
and uh so it is it's crazy so i won't ask when if i do see them again i won't ask you know so i mean it wasn't too long ago when i was doing the addition to a bank in the menden area and mr brown mr gary brown actually came and talked to me because i had him price some things for me right so but anyway that Um, is the tale of two jimmies that's wild yeah i I mean i hate that that happened yeah uh, i had no family but that's a very interesting story especially since you know we know the places that you mentioned right story yeah she's gwen is sent to and she does her time you know but uh, she sent to spring hill i mean we've been to spring hill yeah um, and hamburger happiness hamburger is happiness. still standing it's still standing yeah and uh, we've eaten there mm-hmm. yeah in in dixie inn yeah so um one thing i wanted to point out what sure. we had mentioned at the beginning um one of the big things that menden does is the menden saint jude auction yes so while you've been talking i've been pulling this up they do they do the auction every year it's mm-hmm. always super bowl weekend yep they begin is it always a Thursday afternoon? I know they run through Sunday, Super right, Bowl it's a, Sunday. It's the Thursday is when they start the auction. Um, and it's really cool. Yeah, you can. We've gone. We've bought things from the auction. T-shirts, sweatshirts. Yeah. I mean, we bought things in auction. Oh yeah, because yeah. you can buy stuff outright, or yep. you can bid on stuff. Right. But they do have a Facebook page. It's Minden M I N D E N Saint Jude Auction. Yeah. Like I said, they do this every year, Super mm-hmm. Bowl weekend. This past year for 2022, that weekend, they raised $2.4 million. That is insane. That they donated to St. Jude. That is insane. This little community. Yeah, this little community. And also, they do have a website. It's Minden St. Jude, M-I-N-D-E-N-S-T-J-U-D-E, all one word, dot com. Yeah. So, check them out. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I want to tell you, the town of Menden, it's a nice community. It really is. It really is. is. It's a very small town. And there has been a lot of movies filmed there. Oh, yeah, The Premonition with Sandra Bullock. That's right. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh. um, What was the one with Kevin Hart? Oh, Martin Lawrence. The Martin Lawrence show uh, movie. Uh, um, Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. Was filmed in Menden. Parts of it was actually filmed film downtown downtown Minden yeah. um yeah ice cube it was oh, a football right. movie the comebacks I could be wrong um it was back in 2008 ish okay um it was actually filmed at Minden high school mm-hmm. um I forget the name but ice cube was in it yeah um there was also something else I was gonna say oh Minden was recently featured on the hometown kickstart on hgtv okay also willie nelson and jessica simpson oh the the dukes of hazard no they didn't oh. film that in menden it was oh. uh it didn't go to theaters it was one of those direct to dvd okay um but they filmed a movie yeah. in menden okay a lot of things yeah and this is a great little town and we have roots there yeah you know our marriage where we met and everything is in Minden. Yeah. So great little community. Uh, the surrounding areas are they're uh, good. They're great. good little 
good little communities and things, but that entire community comes together so well. Even the, what's the thing in November that they have the main street, the main domain, main domain. Yeah. yeah. They set up like from main street Menden that yeah. goes to main street Dixie Inn, which yeah. it, I don't think it's really called main street. I think it's highway 80. I don't know. Yeah. But then goes to main street Sibley. Yeah. And, I mean, anybody. it's all the main streets in the surrounding right. communities and stuff. So it's again, it's another time when community around there is coming together and and doing things together. Yeah. So anyway, you get a chance to visit. It's a nice community. It's full of nice people. Yeah. So it really is friendly. And you can still run into the Brown family because they're still very prominent in the area. They're very uh, nice family. Mr. Gary Brown, I've, I've had dealings with him for a long time now, and he is one heck of a man. So, And, you know, and one last thing, we're sitting here talking up this community, and I'm sure people, our listeners are probably thinking, well, why did y'all move? Yeah. Well, yeah. the only downfall is if you live inside city limits of Minden, they kind of contract through one of the uh, bigger electric companies yep. around here, and they actually purchase the electricity from this bigger company. Yes. So during the summers, our electric bill would get to like $900 right. for one month. Right. And we were both like, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, other than that, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that, you know, obviously we have to do and live within our means. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we sought electricity elsewhere and that involved actually moving to another town. So, yep. so. but tale of two Jimmy's, that they was are a, now, that was a good tale. they were now executed in Angola. So yeah. in 1987. One of them is actually buried there. I guess both of them would be buried there. I guess if, the, like, if their family didn't claim their body. Yeah. Because, you know, families can do that. Yeah, they can. And I don't know, that sister might not have got her truck back and she was like, know. fuck that. Yeah, you stay down there. Probably wrecked that son of a bitch. Probably. So, anyway. So, uh, we got some other ones coming up. Jamie's going to be, rec- well, we're going to be recording Jamie's next one here soon. So, y'all stay tuned for that. And until then, I'm Paul. And I'm Jamie. And please join us next time. And remember to stay disturbed. Bye. Bye.